Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, we cut right to the chase as I graciously accept Arthur's apology as he bows to my superior Spider-Man slash Sony slash Marvel knowledge. We also get to hear all about San Diego Comic-Con. Not from me, I'm 3,000 miles away, but Arthur was there, boots on the ground, and he's going to tell me all about it. In more things I haven't seen, Arthur's seen Encanto, and he's going to tell me what he thought of this movie. I didn't go because, as a 42-year-old man, buying one ticket to Encanto is incredibly sus. This is your job now. (laughs) (laughs) No, my job is to also talk about Chucky, because horror's my wheelhouse, and this series wrapped up with a serious bang. If you like horror and you like child's play, this series was nearly perfect. And finally, we discussed the first three episodes making up the first half of Disney Plus's Hawkeye. I think it's the Christmas series we've all been waiting for from Marvel, and by this point, it doesn't disappoint. Mm -hmm. So join us on... <laughs> that that strangely read to me as uh, like Cleveland Brown from uh, Family Guy. <laughs> oh, Peter! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. That's really good. You really sound like that because the voice is actually done by a white guy, which I think he stopped doing uh-huh. the voice because of a lot of people are getting out of that, which is probably a good look. Mm. You should go get that job. Oh, I I auditioned for it last year. I didn't get it. Oh, of course <laughs> uh, you did. Yeah, they, they were auditioning for Cleveland, for uh, Carl, Lou, and Dr. Hibbert last year. Oh, right. And then Kevin Michael Rich got Dr. Carl or Dr. He uh, got Hibbert. He got Hibbert. And there's this, I forgot the I forgot the name of the actor that got Carl, but he's a really good Carl. I, like, I, however, liked my audition as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you might be a little bit biased, but I got to say that's that's a pretty good Cleveland Brown from Cleveland show. Or as my brother calls it, Black Family Guy. <laughs> Still watch a Black Family Guy? That's funny. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, straight. You know, I think it's better than Family Guy because it doesn't do the rando cutaway jokes when it does cutaways. I think mm-hmm. they're better integrated into the script, but, uh, but that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. How the heck have you been? Oh man, just coming from Comic Con, feeling good, feeling great. Uh, very bizarre experience. <laughs> well, I saw the pictures. I mean, it looks bizarre for sure. Yeah, the last twenty years have been going. You know, like it, uh, since it's been going since the seventies, it's been in San Diego during the summer. You know. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what made like I mean, it it had all the makings for what it would become this super engorged insanely huge event that it's been for the past um 15 years honestly at this point oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ever since around ever, ever since around 2006 2007 it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it had 180,000 uh people plus every year and this is a re- it was a real problem man you couldn't move around or anything you just get burned out and like i haven't actually gone in like uh, 5 years you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, com- coming out of a pandemic and there being no Comic-Con last year, you know, it was, it was like going back and forth whether they're going to have mm-hmm. it because, you know, they didn't want to create a crazy COVID scenario, you know, um, but they were waiting and waiting till a lot of people got vaccinated. And um, uh, honestly, when it came down to it, it was it, it was there was no way for it to 
be the big event that it usually is in the summer because you know especially with panels and celebrities like everyone's like at home with their family Mm -hmm. for thanksgiving (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's a good point too it is thanksgiving weekend oh yeah so only the most hardcore people came and you know not a lot of people could like travel out of like you know out of different countries and stuff to come so it was like at half capacity bro it was like bizarre and comfortable <laughs> it was like it was a relaxing comic con so you're saying they they might oversell it a little bit every year that it would be a better experience if it just if, if it was more like what you experienced this year as far as maneuverability no no con is what it is it's, it's everything like and the kitchen sink it's that's what it's supposed to be but you could only take so much of it you know <laughs> um you go for the panels I'm talking for myself, you know, because there's other people they'll like they they will never go a year without going to the con mm-hmm. because you know you get to be around your people and <laughs> you know I mean you, you, like you, you, like the celebrities and um, all the panels and getting stuff signed the prints like all the merchandise like it's it's like a wonderland you know but there again it has its detractors so sure. all those detractors weren't weren't there but at the same time. There wasn't any good panels or anything. Well, right, because with the lowered attendance, it's probably not as much of a draw to do high-profile panels. Yeah, Hall H. I haven't seen Hall H ever look the way it did. They just used Hall H for registration. <laughs> you know, like that was bizarre. Like, like that. That's like the first when you first go in there and you see Hall H just completely excavated. You you know you're in for a different time at San Diego Comic Con. Interesting. <laughs> it was, oh my gosh. And then like I might be wrong, but um I didn't see a Marvel or DC booth. Usually they always have like the biggest booth right right in the middle of the floor. You would think that goes without saying at Comic Con. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, but I do remember Marvel had announced that they were skipping Comic-Con. I don't know specifically DC, but now that you have, you know, the Disney conventions, yeah. In situations like this, there might be a little less impetus to make it to con, especially during this whole COVID thing. But I'm talking about specifically just Marvel Comics booth. Oh, that's a fair point. You know, yeah, no, you're you're right as opposed to the Marvel pictures. Yes, just straight up Marvel Comics. That's strange. That's just plain strange. Where is Marvel in DC? And um, then there was a good quarter of the con that had no booths. They just put more tables there for people to sit and eat and stuff. But the, it's usually from the end of the of the uh, con to the to the other end of the con is just booths everywhere. Right. Right. You know. So that was bizarre. <laughs> But again, I, I had a good time. I was passing out information for our podcast. Nice, nice. And yep. for my, my YouTube channel and just taking pictures. To, you, you might have saw my pictures of the sculptures and cosplay. Oh, I saw your pictures. You know I saw your pictures. Yeah, that's usually what I always go to uh, Comic-Con for anyways, to take pictures of cosplay. I love taking pictures of the creativity, and I love getting gifts for friends. Nah, you're just creeping. I know yeah. you. I know it just, <laughs> just, just finding women in scantily clad fantasy. I was with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> How dare How you, dare sir? How dare you, stop, sir? I was stop with my telling child. the truth. 
Stop telling the truth, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean there were lots of photos of scantily clad men too. So you don't, you know what I mean? You're not, mm-hmm. you're not focusing in. You just like what you like. I understand. It's nice. It's nice. Oh, hell I can't yeah. wait for the cosplay that's going to come out of Golden Con in Chicago in April. Have you heard of this? Do you know what this is? This is going to be the first ever Golden Girls convention. <laughs> They're having a designated Golden Girls convention in Chicago, which is one of my favorite cities. I'm in Chicago every year, and mm-hmm. it's going to be in like April of next year or something. But I saw a little blurb of this earlier, and all your con talk reminded me of that a Golden Girl convention. So there's going to be a there's hot cosplay to go around, I guess. <laughs> Oh man! I know Blanche was, you know, the more overtly sexual one, but don't mm-hmm. sleep on B. Arthur. Oh heck yeah, man! <laughs> yeah, the way the way she would bite her fist, you know. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, you're oh, gonna be God. biting your fist. You're gonna be biting your fist when we talk about the next story that I oh, happened gosh. to catch while I was poking around the news. So, uh, why don't you lead lead our friends in to what we're talking about next? There's something to do with Spider Man and. Um, Ah, I, I can't quite quite remember the rest of it. Would you remind uh, me what it is? Oh my god! So, on uh, on uh, a very very minimal occasion, Tom finds himself to actually be right about something. Hmm. <laughs> Backhanded? So, really? Really? <laughs> I'm trying to be magnanimous here, <laughs> and you lead in like that shit. All right, I'm taking over. So Arthur. Felt like he could just say that this was it for Tom Holland in in the Marvel universe. He says, "Oh, uh, Spider-Man cartoon that's coming out is is like Marvel's swan song to Tom Holland. They had all these negotiations. They've already announced it. It's a done deal. He's going to Sony. It's going to be Spider-Man and Venom and Morbius, and they're not going to play with any of the Marvel toys." I said it begrudgingly. <laughs> no, you weren't happy about it, but you were reporting this as fact. And those of you who have listened to previous episodes, if this isn't your first episode, I sit there through the conversation and just give a casual nope every couple of seconds. <laughs> and the reason I did that is not because I have any kind of firsthand insider knowledge. It's not because I'm some kind of secret industry person. It's because I know that people like money. <laughs> And that's why Arthur's story didn't make any sense to me. Because when you have a machine that prints money, you don't just change the machine. You don't go in and start tinkering. You don't want to be the executive who ruined the cash cow. Not to mix metaphors. But I knew, I knew that nobody, nobody in their right mind would break this up that it's too profitable and been too well critically received to go and mess with it. You don't mess with the money printing machine. Arthur said he had some info that maybe this wasn't going to be the case, but I just didn't believe it. (laughs) He's loving this. He's loving this. So Pascal came out and you know, who's Amy Pascal? (laughs) Who Tom? (laughs) <laughs> pascal she runs sony pictures she does run uh, sony pictures sorry that was for our listeners arthur <laughs> uh, so basically um amy amy did the right thing 
and she's gonna let Marvel make another trio of trilogies, which is the right thing. Um, uh, I otherwise before thought they were going to just take Spider-Man for themselves again, but I'm just glad that Amy's making the right decision, and I'm glad that I was wrong for once. And, uh, <laughs> you narcissistic ass. <laughs> Nobody is broken up until they are broken up. And you were declaring that that was fact. And I was like, it's all rumor. It's all rumor. Stop reporting rumors. Fact. Stop doing that. It ain't done till it's done. I don't believe it. Nobody's, nobody's going to take the cash machine and sh- just shake it up and drop it on the floor. You just wouldn't do it. So here we are. I just wanted to take that moment. So if you like, <laughs> if you like Spider-Man in the Marvel verse, then breathe easy um, take take what Arthur says on the subject with a grain of salt. You know, I'm sorry, dear <laughs> listener, that I have to come in here and, you know, just do these retractions when necessary. But that's my burden, and, and I'll bear it. And I'll bear it. <laughs> He's loving it. He's I loving know, it. I know. Now, what you weren't wrong about, though, was getting on that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, oh, the Stone Ocean. Stone Ocean. Stone Ocean. Yes, mm-hmm. that train. That's a good train to be on. You're on that train, aren't you, Arthur? I am. I play Loco Barocco and Charlotte on the the like highly anticipated new season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's really exciting because it's like such a huge fan base and the character is hilarious <laughs> and and very memorable. It's a very so, it's um, a very wily character for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh yeah, that's on Netflix right now. It came out December 1st. That is number 6 on Netflix overall right now and number 1 in Japan and it it so hotly anticipated is an understatement. That thing is steamrolling on Netflix. So good for you for getting on that damn show. Oh yeah, Kira Kira Buckland who plays Jolene on that show, the main character um, she uh, she's actually trying to get me some steam on Twitter right now for like me and my gigantic ma- massive amount of followers that that is at uh six right now, six Ooh. followers on Twitter. <laughs> so so not uh, some traction on Twitter, but like any traction. Yeah, she. No, yeah, that's I, okay I, I, actually, because we got a little bit of a bump from what you did at uh, at Comic Con. I meant to mention that. Oh, earlier, really? That we did. Awesome. We got a few more listeners from that, so that was good times. Good, good work. Good oh, work, sir. good, 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 good. Yeah, I'm going to Con this weekend too. They have LA Comic Con, and I'm gonna get the word out some more. Nice. Um, yeah. So uh, that's coming out. Some other things are um, down the pike for voiceover, but I'm really happy about the recent video game and uh, JoJo. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Nice, nice. So yeah, you get out. Um, you you just got out to San Diego Comic Con. You're going out to L.A. Comic Con. I don't I don't get out very much. I've been mostly home. Just like uh, I've been practicing the ukulele a lot recently. That's one my new thing is like doing classical oh, nice. renditions of uh, ukulele, like uh, Christmas carols and stuff. Cause I like that sort of thing. And I, Rachel got me a nice ukulele about a year ago and I had been teaching myself how to play it. I play guitar and I play a number of other instruments, but it's tuned differently. Mm. And, uh, but yeah. I've been, I've been staying home. Uh, we got this new COVID variant run around and it's been kind of quiet. This is my quiet season. It's going to pick up a little bit. I got some stuff to do next week, but I'm mostly hanging out at home and playing the damn ukulele, which is a good time. Um, uh, but you get out the house a lot. Like you go to the, how, how often would you say you go to the movies? 
like a week? How many movies do you see in theaters a week? Um, I at least go once or twice a week, you know, it, it, depending on what's out. Now, I did want to quickly say that Tom's a great musician, and I suggest, Tom, that you put some of your uh, music on the on our Instagram. You know, Ooh, just like, maybe just I'll do that. I'll record a I'll yeah, record a little Christmas plays. carol thing, and I'll I'll put it on the Instagram for Christmas because we got Christmas oh, yeah. coming up. Oh yeah, you got you got to share your music whenever whenever you're doing a little ditty on the ukulele. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm I'm getting to be okay out of it. Like I, I played awesome. guitar my whole life, but I'm having a good time with the ukulele, and I will definitely post some music on there. And you're a musician too. I should post you singing Tenacious D on our Instagram. I should post <laughs> something on our Instagram. <laughs> Fucking something. God, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I swear I want to get around to more of it. I'm just I got stuff going on right now, which is. Part of why I don't get out to the theaters anywhere near as much as you do. And also, I don't have a lot of movie theaters near me. Like, I'm in New York, but I'm sort of like, let's put it this way. The ones that are near me suck so badly. So I have to travel to go see a movie, which is why I always find it funny when you're incredulous that I haven't seen a movie in theaters, as as was the case <laughs> with Disney's Encanto. Now, I know about this movie oh, yeah. because I saw a trailer for it when I went to go see The Eternals. I didn't really know anything about it. And it's a Disney movie about uh, a magical house that suddenly starts to lose its magic. And everybody who lives on the property or around this area, I'm butchering this. This is this is me butchering it, <laughs> um, gains magical powers except for one little girl. And it turns out it's the little girl who doesn't presumably have any powers who has to then go and save the magic. Uh, is that pretty close? Yeah, you, pretty close? Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty close. All right, well, I saw the trailer um, once, so, you know, I'm doing my best here. So the the... The deeper issue with this movie, which I think is one of the best things the studio's ever made, is, um, first of all, there's a lot of people of color in this thing, which is always great, you know? Um, but what 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 has been happening and what tends to happen when um, a, a group of minorities kind of finally get their shot at something, whenever they're making the story, the uh, whatever culture that group of people is, is used as like like a center force in that thing, you know? So what's great about this is that this is a story that could happen to any family and their culture just enhanced the story. Okay, so the story doesn't revolve around their culture. There is a story that could yeah. translate across cultures and their culture yeah. colors the the tenor of the story. Nice. It just means so much to me because it's it it's it's having these people be being people and not just a novelty, you know. So because if you if you if you bring that like if you bring that idea to Coco, um, uh, Dios los muertos was like a showcase of that movie, you know, versus the people. And you know you can make an argument about that because that's that's a great movie too, but it's just like okay like. Are you going to find every different cultural thing about that, that people and base the movie off of that versus, you know, just focusing on the people themselves? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just that that's always kind of something that's happening with a lot of these things made by these like largely like white led studios, you know, and that's kind of a thing about America anyway. They we, we put on all these different headdresses and 
and, and uh, cultural holidays as a novelty without really understanding what it means, where it comes from, you know? And um, all of our white listeners need to remember that on Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that in mind. Oh, and and our non-Latin black listeners as well. You're not exempt from this either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just, that's all I'm saying is that's, that's something that this by and large has happened in this country and it led to a bunch of different narrative that it's because oh it's fine it's great we they finally get to actually show them but it's just like there's this dimensional aspects that's like that leaves you going away with the with without you really connecting with them uh, on a on a human level you know so that's i felt like that was such a beautiful thing in this story cuz it's a story about family and it doesn't have like the traditional uh princess tropes they've been kind of stepping away from that already you know, in the Disney movies, yeah, yeah, but they do they they go even further with it with like having this girl that isn't like the the model or the top woman or the top girl or the most gorgeous person or like the all those kind of normative things that you have in movies like and and you see how great and resourceful and amazing that she is, yeah, and it's so beautiful, it's so beautiful. Like they do something in this movie that just made me freaking choke up. What they do for this girl at the end of the movie. Oh, it meant so much, man, especially with my daughter being able to see stuff like this. So you you went with your daughter. Now, you went twice. What made you go a second time? It was just so good. Okay, there you go. That's a good answer. Lin-Manuel Miranda did the music. The set pieces are great. The animation's fantastic. The Like, the setting, the comedy of the movie is so good. I, I took Daphne twice. Oh, so you didn't you didn't go on your own then then one of those times. I have no problem going on my own. <laughs> I, I would feel weird. I would feel weird going at like four o'clock oh, in the man. afternoon and like one please. Like excuse me, sir, no, you have to I'm leave. A, I'm a lover. <laughs> I'm a lover of cinema, as long as it's something I'm interested in. I know, I know, know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just you're you're more uh, inherently just, friendly looking than I am anyway. I have like a beard and <laughs> I wear a baseball cap and I wear a lot of black. <laughs> I already look uh, suspect. You, you would think you would think that, but like uh people hold their purse uh, when they're next to me in an elevator all the time. Oh no, <laughs> I mean I'm still white. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, there's that. But I mean you take that away, you are way friendlier. I wear a leather jacket. It's not oh, yeah. good. Yeah. When you get to know me. No, if I were if I were the same color as you, I'd be boned. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is all tongue in cheek oh, satire, God. people. It's okay here. It's okay. This is a safe space to say <laughs> terrible things. <laughs> that, the duality that, of safe that's, spaces. That's so telling. So telling of this time. That really innocuous thing you said is like, like, like a, a lightning bolt. So just don't take it out of context. That's all. It's perfectly fine in context. But if you take what I just said out of context, then yeah, it sounds terrible. As do a lot of Where things. Where my color? Where my color? There's my shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, I edit. Fuck I edit you, Frank this, Sinatra. I edit this whole episode in audition. I can make you say any awful thing I want. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Just change up the order, and you would sound horrendous. I mean, worse, Uh-oh. worse than we do now. 
<laughs> but I'm glad that you get to um, share that with your uh, daughter as opposed to being a creeper. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, on the note of that um, schmaltzy uh, emotional story, I wanted to go back to the Comic-Con right quick because I oh, forgot to tell please. the story. So, so um, RJ McCaslin is a makeup artist for S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the, the Marvel show. Now, um, Shield. Did you ever watch Shield? Tom? Uh, Agents of Shield. I saw a few episodes here and there, but I'm embarrassed to say I'm. I did not get into it. Yeah, a lot of people. That's like a lot of people's story, and it sucks. It sucks because that show was really good, you know. And I'm so glad it was able to stay on as long as it did, you know. Because every every new season, I was so happy that like they were able to last, you know. I have good intentions on going back and watching it. I heard that they introduced a bunch of fun characters that I like. I just, oh, it, yeah. it just felt like I got in late and then there was so much homework to get caught up. And I just was like, I'll do it later. Uh, much like high school. And then I never did, but I will one day. I will. So th this guy was walking with his son and his son had this really cool, uh, vi venom symbiote. Um, uh, you might've saw that, um, on, on my postings. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was just cool. And I was just like making videos and having fun with them. And then I noticed the father had a, a t-shirt with, uh, the, the Android character, um, the Android alien character that, uh, was on the later seasons of shield on his, uh, uh, t-shirt. And of course I recognized it and he's just like, Oh my God, deep cut, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, we, he started saying that he was the makeup artist for all of the seasons of shield. Cool. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and uh, and uh, it was just great meeting him and talking to him and rapping with him about S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff and ha what it meant to me. I mean, that show on many occasions made me just break down crying. Like, that's how powerful that show was um, with, with uh, a lot of the, the different, you know, impactful storylines that it had. And, you know, telling telling my story, he 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 reaches in his backpack and. Uh, he grabs a, a shield medallion and that only like 6,000 of them have been made. Yeah. You know? And he, he gave me that medallion and I started choking what? up. Man. I was like, cause that, that show meant a lot to me and I just didn't expect that to happen. You know, to have that dude and, just and, hand over some honestly, insider shit. I mean, honestly, that's just the kind of magic that happens at Comic Con. That's awesome. You you bump you bump you bump into your your favorites. Everybody's there for the love of the thing. You don't you don't usually have a bad experience at Comic Con, you know. Right on. Not really, you know. Like it's, you know, I'm I'm speaking for myself because I'm sure everyone has their situation. But like when it comes down to it, when I notice the energy that's there, I just see happy people. People always like they'll. Like they'll stop and let you take a picture of their, their. I mean, they're there to be photographed, you know. That's true. I mean, you and, don't dress um, up like that and then get mad if people look at you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean <laughs> that. No, 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 no. That is again. That's one of those things that could be taken out of context. I mean, if you dress up like a character <laughs> in a costume, not provocatively. <laughs> Women, if you want to dress provocatively and not be absolutely gawked at, that is your right. But if you dress in a mm -hmm. provocative black widow costume and go to comic-con then you deserve to be comfortably gawked at not uncomfortably <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i i feel like you know 
that sort of dress would have stopped a long time ago if those people didn't feel comfortable at the right con. on right on you know you know so like i mean that's the thing like it's just like people and usually people that do that they're very comfortable with their body oh sure in, i mean in, in, in any situ- any situation you know yeah so yeah that that moment I'll always remember that moment. I think I think they only ask that you please don't touch and please do shower. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're they're not strong in the shower thing at Comic Con. That's (laughs) That's, no, that's what I mean as far as the cosplay artists who pose for (laughs) pictures and pose with fans. They're like, don't touch and please shower. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been to Comic Con, but that's the joke that I always get from people is like. It's a lot of humans in a building, and sometimes, sometimes oh, yeah. it can the, the, stink a little bit. The 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 wave of armpit oh. smell when, when there's a, over a hundred and eighty thousand people, and you're like at close quarters. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> that's just that's horrible. I've never been to a comic con. I, I I have been to one in New York City. I went to Flame Con one year, which is the LGBTQ plus Comic Con in New York. Because one of my favorite podcasters was tabling. And so despite not being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, I'm a big supporter of that community. And so I went to Flame Con and I had a pretty good time. It was a darn good time. You don't have to be gay oh, to go. It's it's a good time no matter who you are or, or what your orientation is. And I met my favorite, like the podcast that got me into podcasts. And I had a really, really good time. And the people there were largely very well bathed. (laughs) I didn't have a lot of experience because I had heard like the BO jokes and all that other stuff. And I was prepared when I got there. Largely not so bad, although relative scale between FlameCon and Comic-Con cannot be compared even remotely. So that probably helped as well. Fewer humans. Speaking of bathing, did you think Chucky was in that bathtub? Oh, you trying to lead into the next discussion without giving our audience any context. I give you a B. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck kind of show you running around here? I swear. It applied and it's relevant in the final episode. That's a heck of a jump, sir, but I'm going to allow it. Uh, yes, yes, I did think Chucky was in the bathtub. I really sincerely did. Oh, my God. We're going to get into it. And if you haven't seen Chucky and you haven't seen the finale of Chucky, we're going to spoil it. I mean, how could we not, right? We we have to. Yeah. The It's too crazy. It's too crazy. And again, it reasserts its fucking meanness at the end. It's mean spiritedness is only just the final nail in the coffin is the most awful and ugly one of all. And God love them for having the guts to go that hard. And they do mm-hmm. man. This shit was dark. Oh, yeah. So many orphans. Yeah. So many orphans. Yeah. I think that might even be the title of this episode. <laughs> so many yeah. orphans. I mean, that's that was, that was honestly it's kind of one of my issues with it. With so much trauma, you know, like the furthest you could go with trauma, I feel like in a series is what they've done on Walking Dead, where it's just like 
you know, the, the main guy was just left so broken and shattered and stuff. He had the correct sort of acting that would meet that sort of trauma. Yeah. It's it was hard to see that with these kids, the amount of stuff that was happening, like with all of them losing their parents. Like, I don't think that they were appropriately like emoting the way that, you know, some human would in a lot of these circumstances. See, you and I, you and I tend to disagree on on that because we had that same sort of discussion during Shang-Chi and I didn't butt up against that at all. I don't know. It's, just, it's fast, though. The story the story goes by so quickly, there's almost no time for them to process it. And I would argue that um, Devin has a very appropriate emotional response to a lot of this stuff. His whole mm-hmm. arc in the final two episodes is defined by his coping with trauma. So you got to give it to Devin. Yeah. I mean, like they, they definitely, it's not like they're terrible, but it's just like, I don't know, is there's just something missing from, like, I mean, it's like not all of them should be handling it at the same, like, level. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, um, what, what's the name of the black Lexi girl? Cross is her character. Yeah. Yeah. Lexi, I mean, she just, like, lost her dad, like, in a terrible way. And she's not able to, Deal with okay, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm gonna shut that shit down because, <laughs> because that happened with like eleven minutes left in the episode. Her dad, her dad is dead. Is I mean, both her parents are alive for ninety nine point five percent of the entire series. So I will, I will yeah. argue that that you're right in some regard as far as how some of the characters deal with it. Her dad is dead for like a grand total of ten minutes. So I'm not too worried. That doesn't that doesn't bother me. That feels that feels really hypercritical, sir. I have to be honest. <laughs> but that's what we're doing know. here. I mean, I mean, like that's the thing. That's the thing, though. It's just like in, in order for us to feel something, we need to be dealing with characters that are feeling something. And it's like there. I feel like there's a disconnect sometimes, you know. That that being said, um, I just love the plotting of the series. Period. All, all the all the machinations of uh, of Chucky's plan is so funny. Like when he's talking <laughs> to the other Chucky's. Oh. Uh, how 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 young are we talking? Can we do? Five years old? <laughs> well, I thought that was all right. So let me let me rewind for just a second and lead people in who might not be familiar. So USA and Sci-Fi recently partnered up to produce a child's play television series, an eight-part series called Chucky. This series just wrapped up with the eighth and final episode. If you're unfamiliar with the series, we're gonna spoil the heck out of it. What are you doing here? But listen anyway, you know, if if you find that sort of thing fun, because even spoiled, this this shit is madness. And number two, you can go back to last week's episode and get a much more cohesive synopsis about how this whole series begins. But in brief, we have a young boy. His name is Jake. He encounters Chucky. Chucky convinces Jake that everybody is terrible, which largely they are, in an effort to get Jake to start killing them. Jake declines. Chucky makes his way around, secretly revealing himself to any number of people in an effort to also get them to start murdering people. He, all the while, is also murdering people as well. Mm -hmm. And my reference earlier to Too Many Orphans, we have four child actor main leads in the show. Jake Wheeler, Devin Evans, Lexi Cross, and Junior Wheeler, Jake's cousin. 
most of these kids are going to end up orphans by the end of the eighth episode. And it's totally fucked up. It's unbelievably fucked up. All right. So there you go. So there's the lead in to where we are. And so what ultimately happens is Chucky, by getting one of these children to commit murder, has completed a voodoo ritual that has allowed him to split his soul into a veritable army of Chucky dolls that are all him. So he is now, by the end of the episode, 72, if I get the count right, 72 Chuckies. Oh my God. I know. It's fucking crazy. This is like some shit you would say trying to explain a Marvel movie, but here we are in a world with 70-some-odd Chuckies. And it's amazing. I'm surprised they never did this as a plot before in one of the movies. They did. They did. The final movie, uh, Cult of Chucky, has multiple Chuckies. This is where he learns the trick. In the final Child's Play movie, he explains that he has figured this out through some more voodoo research. And there are multiple Chuckies who terrorize uh, in that movie. It's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. No, this is established canon, my friend. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, I just, I, that was my favorite scene. <laughs> he's talking to the row of Chuckies. <laughs> Determining how young a victim. He's like, we don't kill babies. That's just, oh my God, that's evil. Which, you like Chucky through this whole series. You kind of fucking like him. <laughs> I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great line that's such a great line when he talks about his you know lgbtq plus tolerance and the kid's like yeah. you're totally cool with your kid being gay yeah i'm not a monster and then again when he's like we don't kill babies and then he's like well there's a fine line for babies i felt though that that dialogue ended a little strangely and abruptly i feel like there are multiple cuts of that scene out there somewhere because then they translate just into him like chanting and laughing and all of that. So I, I like the I, I like the oddness of it all. And it was just really funny. You know, like I so I just really like that part. Um one thing I want to talk about though is the vigilante uh character that was like the the first kid in the child play series. Andy Barkley, yep. What did you think about his acting? Like did did he feel a little wooden to you? So the guy who is Andy Barkley is not a professional actor. I'll say that in quotes because he plays one of the most iconic roles of all time. But yeah, my understanding is he has not made acting his profession. That's, that's what I imagined because every time it comes to them, there was like, I feel like him and the woman that plays his sister. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, that, the, you know, it's, it's how I felt on the first season of Cobra Kai. It's like they're, they're bringing these um, guys that haven't acted in, you know, 30 years or whatever. Right. Know? Right. And, and that's, that's what just, it just feels, that's what it feels like. It, it's, it's cool for the nostalgia bump, you know, the, to actually, right. Bring right. That's why you're doing person. it. Yeah. 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 But, that's Andy Barkley all grown up. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what you're, yeah, but I couldn't read his intentions sometimes because of it. <laughs> like, I don't know what his reaction is at the end when, um, the Jennifer Tilly puppet, uh, is in the truck with him at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little weird. And that's that, but that was such a great cliffhanger. And I feel like they must have like filmed two different endings depending on whether they got picked up for a season two or not. I feel yeah. like they had to because 
There is so much stuff at the end of the final episode that just makes it the first episode of season two, where I want to know where this army of Chuckies is going. Holy shit. We now have two Jennifer Tillies running around. Uh, where are all these kids going to live? They don't have parents. That was a great, that uh, just to, to, to diverge for a moment. That was a great moment when um, Jake is talking to his boyfriend, Devin, and he's like, where are you going to go? And he goes, I don't know. Wherever orphans go is where I have yeah. to go now. And I don't know what that is. Like yeah. the uncertainty of that moment and the exasperation that Devin has at the prospects of not really knowing what's going to come next, but that he's dealing with the reality of this situation, which all of them at some point are going to have to deal with, which is like, fuck, I'm a goddamn orphan now. Now, all that being said, Jake Wheeler is about to be one rich ass orphan, though. All things being because he, he's going to inherit like two full estates within the matter of seven days. <laughs> he yeah, now dang. owns two ho two houses in that town, plus his rich aunt and uncle's entire life insurance policies and estate. That's crazy. Zach Wheeler, rich as hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not the point of the yeah, show. Um Oh yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, all in all, it's such a great. Uh, I feel like there's some loose ends, like with the teacher. The, the, the teacher was accused of all this. Yeah, stuff. there was a lot of foreshadowing there, and then nothing came of it. Yeah, this is like, what grounds was she to be accused of anything? It was, that was weird, first of all, and then. You know, why did they just let her out once Devin's mom died? I mean, I, I guess it makes sense when there was more killings happening after for, after the fact, actually. Like, ain't nobody seen Scream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, more people died. <laughs> Best let you out of jail. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's just like they're there at the, at the uh, graveyard at the end, all the trio of kids, and then the, mm -hmm. the teacher's there watching them like what's mm -hmm. what's happening what's happening <laughs> you know that, those just those little things um but uh uh i loved loved the intro again like when they showed like all the chuckies in the in their boxes oh yeah those, these intros were, these intros are they're killer. gorgeous all, all, they all are just the gorgeous i mean mm -hmm. artistically like creatively this entire series was beyond reproach. It looked so expensive and all of the puppets looked so good. There were a handful of scenes where it was a little kid running around from behind and you could definitely see yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the magic. That's the magic. of. Uh, but you forgive that handful of occasions with the sheer quality that they throw at you through this whole series. So that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. I think it's incredibly well made and definitely worth the watch. And you can binge the shit out of this right now. It's finished. Mm -hmm. Go watch it and get ready for season two. It's going to be even more insane. Oh yeah. Is, is that it? No, that ain't it. That ain't it. We got we got three whole episodes of Hawkeye. And I don't Woo! think we have to get too crazy on this because because we're going to pick this apart at least a few more times before the series wraps up. But damn, this is a good time. It's really good. I mean, I mean Marvel, Marvel has just knocked it out of the park. Disney and Marvel, they just knocked it out of the park this year. They have fully entertained us. All, all year. year, like, like I don't, I don't, I don't think any company's ever done that before. Like, 
I mean, in some ways, Disney's have always done that, but not to this degree, where it's like, you know, like from month to month, uh, from like, you know, every couple of months to every couple of months, like as another series, like devoted, like to in the same world and stuff with, with yeah. movies, inter- with movies interspersed. Yep. <laughs> like, this is it's such been a crazy an amazingly well-coordinated and well-made machine, and all of it's good. I mean, Eternals is fair, but... Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like they hit you with WandaVision, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Shang-Chi, all that shit. Straight bangers. I also argue Black Widow like shouldn't have come out now. It should have came out five years ago. I feel like an asshole you know? for skipping Black Widow, too. Yeah, Black Widow yeah. they gave us. <laughs> Almost forgot about her. Almost forgot about her. Yeah. That movie was a little I mean, forgettable. But, but this, this is very kismet, though, because... You know, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Half of this stuff was supposed to come out last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to be at a loss next year when they go back to the regular schedule of, like, maybe three sh- series for the whole year. No, no. that We are never going back to the regular schedule. <laughs> She-Hulk, I Am Groot, Armor Wars, Iron Heart. Uh, what if yeah. volume two, uh, 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 come on Falcon and the winter soldier season two, you know, they're oh, well, actually captain America four, but I mean, they're working on, we did a whole episode where we talked for 40 minutes on everything they're working on. There's going to be no lack of stuff. Plus, plus three new Spider-Man movies. I don't know if there's going to be no lack of stuff, but it's going to be like, it's not going to be like this year though, man. It was what four, what was it? Four movies, four movies, six series. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's that's pretty fucking insane. Freaking crazy. They can do it. They can do it. Give me all of it. I want all of it. X-Men 97, all of it. Mm-hmm. Good times. But this, this though, is the first thing that I can distinctly remember as being like Christmas themed, which is so much fun right now in December as we're getting into well, Christmas. Iron Man 3. Iron Man three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is Christmas uh, Shane theme. Black. Shane Black. All of Shane Black's movies are Christmas themed. Oh, uh, yeah. No kidding. I never really thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. The Good Guys. Uh, the Nice Guys. Uh, yeah. Every one of his movies is uh, the the Christmas. That's his director signature. All right, so Iron Man it, 3 was Christmassy, but Christmas. I don't think of it as a Christmas thing. This is inexorable from Christmas, and especially for oh, me yeah, because definitely. it's New York City Christmas, which is... Oh, heck yeah. No matter where you're listening to this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. New York City Christmas <laughs> is the best Christmas. I have, I have to agree. I have to agree. It I've really never is. had Christmas in New York. Oh, but my like, God, I mean, it's just based off of movies. Movies alone, Home Alone alone, you know, <laughs> like... I mean, there's a reason why it's always in New York. It's perfect. It really is. New York being the cinematic character that it's been, like whenever you see it draped in Christmas, is like you wish you're there, you know? I'll tell you the best thing. One of the things that doesn't really come across in movies, but as somebody who lives here, that's like one of the best things about New York and Christmas and all this other stuff is right after a really heavy snowfall that the city is is quiet in a way that it never is. Now, all of that mm. snow is going to be plowed into the most disgusting slush you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> but there's a there's a window there of about a few hours 
where it is <laughs> magical. And that's the part that they don't tell you in the Christmas movies is people get electrocuted stepping into puddles in New York City all oh, the time Lord. and die. That happens. Oh oh and that beautiful snowfall turns to gray slush and ice so fast. And you just, you just, you just hate it so much. And you're stepping over it oh, to yeah. cross the street. But there's, there's a time where it's just flatly magical Rockefeller center, the giant tree, the ice skating ring, the whole thing of it. If you can go to New York at Christmas someday, fucking do it. It really is just that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just have all my my cinematic memories. Like, so it's always been vicarious, but like you know, like I I can't I can't not picture New York whenever I hear like um, any like uh, famous Christmas song. Yeah. Ding dong ding. Yeah, dong. you're like that's ringing out <laughs> over Grand Central Terminal. I know right oh, now yeah, that that's oh, yeah. definitely at Grand Central Terminal. Oh, you know, heck yeah, man. So there is something so great it's about the, the most of wonderful New York. time of the year. You see Macy's in New York. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's it. And so this yeah. show really does capture it beautifully. It sets such a a great like whimsical tone to contrast Rogers, against the musical. Oh, talk about whimsical tone. That was almost <laughs> painful to watch. I can do this all day. <laughs> that was almost actively painful to, like you are feeling Jeremy it. Renner's discomfort as it. he has to sit there and watch that noise bro you gotta hear the full song they have the full song on YouTube oh my god no 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 I don't do I don't I really don't and Ant-Man wasn't there damn it you're a place but it was a great way to contrast how society will gloss over and monetize this dude's fucking trauma. You know, he's sitting there watching this and this is like a heroic tale. And all he can think of from that time is what that tale cost him. And I think Jeremy Renner does an excellent job of quietly expressing that that feeling. I don't, you know, I know you always think people underplay trauma. How do you feel explaining his trauma here? Do you feel it's well represented? He's, dude, Oscar nominated actor. Like, <laughs> Renner, like, dude, he's great. Like, I just, I love seeing him in all of his dad scenes because he's such a real dad. Yeah. You know, he's not playing it like schmaltzy. Right. He's playing hey it there, like sport. a real dad. Yep. Oh, yeah. And um, also, while while trying to like forget all of the craziness that his life has been like he he went 5 years thinking that he was never going to get his family again and turn into this crazy murderer you know so you know you you could feel that there's a little bit of like um this like a, a, like manic energy yeah there's conflict yeah this manic energy that's a, attached to it too and of course like um, you get to you know, now we get to take a, a closer look at the man. You see, you see, you know, like you know, with his ear, um, uh, hearing damage because of all the situations he's been in. You know, he's yeah. he's a, just a regular man. You know, he's just a regular man, and you know, I, it's it's the right it's the right type of ailment to give a character like this. And he know? does and he does they, suffer from that in the comics. Oh yeah, and um, 
And let's talk about Kate Bishop, man. Oh my God. Like she knocks it out of the park. Like just the intro. She's so good. I feel like Haley Steinfeld plays it just a little bit too over the top. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like a little bit much. I'm enjoying it. I'm not trying to be hypercritical of it, but sometimes it feels like a little bit much, just a touch. So, so I, I saw what they did. Um, so there's two kind of uh, characterizations of the character. There was the the Matt Fraction version of the character, and there was the Young Avengers version of the character when she first showed up. Gets introduced, yeah. And yes, yeah, so in the Matt Fraction, she's way more aloof and and, and a rich girl, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in the Matt Fraction, she's like this upstart who wants to be a leader of the you know, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So they they adopted more of that, you know, because it just makes more sense with the the aloof quality that Renner brings, because in the comics. Hawkeye is more like he's more like a of a daredevil. Right, you right. Know, in, in in the comics. So I think they 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 care they um did the right sort of characterization. And, you know, her being like this fangirl and you know, like her her being the especially being the kid, the wide eyed, bushy tailed, um, you know, would be uh what's 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 that word? Your teammate, your young teammate? Um uh sidekick. Like yeah, sidekick, sidekick. Um, would be sidekick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's fantastic um in all of her scenes. Um I do I do not like the fight choreography where the, the whoever is the guy that the hero's fighting against is not making a not having the full motivation that I'm gonna kill this person. Like they'll they'll do a punch and they're like waiting for the next uh, fight move to happen. Yeah. You know? I just I I can't stand that. So what what happened was there was good fight choreography and then there was that sort of fight choreography that would take me out of it. A little especially for her, especially for her first scene. But then but then the action just gets better and better and better, culminating in episode three's freaking car chase. Oh my god! Let's let's not get there yet. Let's not get there yet because we still need to talk about Vera Farmiga and and the the mustachioed man and and Armand and. <laughs> oh my god! That's I, so much. I, I, I want to. I know it's exciting, but look, I want to just give give it up to uh, Vera. Yes. First of all, of course, we know uh, Vera is, of course, the villain. <laughs> it's like there's just no question about it. They made her new man the most red herring of the most red herring. <laughs> Tony Dalton's like Jack Do what? How, how's his last name pronounced? Duquesne. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like that. Jack, her new husband to be soon Jack. Yeah, um, but the but there's so many subtle things that they've been doing, subtle and not so subtle. Yeah. So the first the first the first thing is when we meet um uh uh Kate's mom, she's having an argument with her dad about money issues, and you're you 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 get to see the real her in different like kind of in flex and and like in tiny moments. Like for instance, when when she uh, finally does talk to Kate, she uh, she's like, "Oh, watch this!" and she like throws the thing up and eats it. Like she like she throws she catches something with her mouth. Yeah, yeah she pops a raspberry in the air and catches it. Yeah, so something that looks like oh, that's a regular parent thing. It's still like she did it with a very a very crazy kind of confidence and skill. Of course, and everybody so far on that side has been in some way crime or mob affiliated. You know, they're at a fundraiser yeah. where there's an illegal auction going on underneath. How did she come to meet a guy and become engaged to a mobster 
whose uncle is also some form of mobster. So yeah, Bira Farminga's in this. That's Kingpin's hotel. That was the same hotel in Daredevil. Oh, is that right? That's good times. Nice. Yeah. So the, yeah. the 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 party is being held at Kingpin's hotel. Well, there you go. So they're yeah. all clearly connected in some way. And just like when she's being threatened by Armand in the back room. So she has some sort of criminal activity going on as well. We don't know to what degree, but it would seem pretty obvious. But this is how duplicitous she is. Like, um, because the Duquesne like specifically says. I have powerful friends too, you know? So when, so when she comes out of that meeting and Haley's just completely being um, uh, in denial about her mom, her mom immediately plays it off. Like, I don't know what this issue is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> you like know? you just heard two mobsters talking mob shit. And one of them's your mom. She comes out. Oh, <laughs> that was just the strangest thing. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Weird. huh? Anyway, I'll see you back at the party. And that answer largely yeah. flies until, you know, um, Kate goes down and starts investigating what's going on and sees an illegal auction. The illegal auction has some of Ronin's items. Oh, that was a great scene. Just the larger world implication of cleaning up the wreckage. You're going to find some cool, weird stuff sometimes. Same thing as Spider-Man. Yeah, where's the vulture? Yeah, exactly. The vulture <laughs> from Spider-Man. Or even they even reference that uh, in Daredevil, which is one of the things that they say that comes about uh, it, the rise of crime following the Battle oh, yeah. of New York. That... Construction corruption goes through the roof and that there's Mm -hmm. a market uptick in organized and street crime following 2012's Battle of New York. So all of that ties together very nicely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, I I love that. I love all of the the kind of fun and games of of Kate's slipping in as the waiter and and uh, talking to Carl and losing him and all that stuff. I don't know why she would ever speak to um the Armand character with her actual voice without trying to like cover her voice. That whatever. was something Rachel and I Rachel and I always laugh at this conceit, which is Rachel's like, if if you showed up in a supermarket with a hooded sweatshirt on and a COVID mask, it's not that I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> <laughs> This guy has presumably been staring at photos of her at his fiance's home every day for half a year. Mm-hmm. Just because she's wearing a hoodie and a COVID mask doesn't mean like, who is that stranger? He knows immediately who the fuck it is. Why would you open your yeah. mouth and only confirm it? Yeah. <laughs> so I hope later yeah. on we have him say something like, did you really think I didn't recognize you? We need that yeah. line later. For sure. We need that line. Yeah, I think Marvel has been a very anti uh secret identity like for for the whole run because it's just like you you make the characters super stupid. You know, if they can't figure this sort right, of stuff right. out, you know. You know, um so but but the fact that she, you know, is I guess it speaks like they they make a thing about her overconfidence. You know, even even in the intro. I love that intro cuz it t- it it they tell so much about her development without having to have scenes about it, you know, but she's that there's a point where she's, she's standing confidently and the other guy just like, you know, gets, gets her with the sword. Quick aside. I would love that intro more if David Aja got a paycheck, quite frankly. Yep. That's, that's been a thing in the news. 
so much of the artwork surrounding this this uh, whole series is aped 100% off of all of his work. And and I heard in the news that he wasn't happy about it, so I just wanted to take a moment, throw a little support behind him too. We're artists, and when people make an entire freaking show based off your illustrations, there should be some kind of check in it. Yeah, they've been doing that to all of the artists. Like they've They've been aping their styles, like, it seems like they're only really giving real credit to like, you know, whether it's Stan Lee or, uh, or uh, Steve Ditko. So one of those guys, Kirby, yeah. it seems like only after you're dead and they don't have to pay you residuals. They start really giving oh, they, you the they credit. Gotta, they got to pay to the, to the estate. I mean, that's, that's the whole uh, Stan Lee fight right now. Well, Kirby, thankfully, won. His family, I think, won in court $28 million yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Something like that. And and Ditko as well. But um, it is interesting the way that they the whole thing revolves around Aja's art. And he didn't really get too much. You know, it was a funny story was uh, Ed Brubaker, who wrote the entire Winter Soldier storyline that the Captain America 2 was based on. Well, they, yeah, are they getting that, that check for 5K? <laughs> yeah, he he said that he gets more off residuals for his background part in that movie than he ever got for writing the original concepts and story. So crazy. He's a background actor in that movie and he made more off that than he did creating the story. But anyway, that ugliness aside, pay your creators, pay your mm -hmm. artists. We're starving out here. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they get through that whole uh that whole thing. And she she escapes. She gets caught on camera. We gotta we gotta talk about Pizza Dog for a second. How uh, adorable Pizza Dog is. <laughs> yeah, it's funny they led with that. I always knew him as Lucky, yeah. but I remember he actually did have a name before uh, Hawkeye names him Lucky. Mm -hmm. Can't remember what it was in the comics, but I'm not sure it was Pizza Dog. But it could have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're kind of doing a little truncated. Well, of course, they only have six episodes, and it's a lot to get through. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Hawkeye series, like I mean. He's he's not really tussling with his family. He's like this burnout in his New York apartment and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely see how done with all of it it is and how it is tough for a guy who made his living as a spy to now be represented by an actor on a Broadway stage. He's like, this is the antithesis of what he worked his whole life to oh, achieve. Yeah. And that that duality and that conflict and that just overall kind of uh, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon just doneness with all of this shit mm -hmm. comes through so well. He does read so much like that cop who just can't retire. Yeah. Like, damn it, damn it, damn mm -hmm. it. And he does that. He does it beautifully. Yeah. So um, all that being said, leading into episode three where like things are really ramping up like that action scene. Go ahead and talk about the action scene. Cause it was fantastic. Oh, that car chase is amazing. The, the big thing that I've seen a lot of in this show is unbroken shots. They're really into the long yeah, shot. The, on yeah. The one. Yeah. Yep. And this, this car chase is no exception where you get, the 360 degree view inside the car, which when Rachel and I watched it last night, we're just like, what? Yeah. Get out of here. And then, and then somehow the shot follows her out the window after doing the 360 in the car. It's such a good shot. I'm not a big like camera angles guy, 
you know, like, Ooh, look, they dutched the camera there. Like that's, <laughs> I don't notice that sort of thing very often, but I did notice that shot. It's very conspicuous and very cool. Yeah. It was, um, it was a, a a female duo that directed this episode. Um, Burton Birdie, yeah, yeah, Burton Birdie. They did Troop Zero. They did Kidding. Most recently, they did the the Grant. But they're uh, typically a writing and directing. Yeah, duo. they kick so much ass on this episode, especially when we got to see the Pim Arrow. <laughs> oh yeah, that and that's why this world needs damage control because now somebody has to go check the structural reinforcements on that bridge. Do you know? Do you know what that's gonna do to traffic on the east side of town? Do you have any idea what you have done? Right. That bridge is gonna be down for months. <laughs> Yeah, this but is need, going to, to have away. ramifications from Wall Street to Randall's Island. This is not good for the city, Hawkeye. They needed to get away. <laughs> but it was awesome. We gotta talk about. Arrow. We gotta talk about Echo. And we get introduced. We get introduced to Echo, and we get her whole origin. I mean, the whole first half great. of episode three is is Echo. Oh, so good. And Echo is a, you know, a mob lieutenant, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We find out that her father was killed by Ronan, and so she has a very special uh, place in her heart for and him. She, ha she has the mysterious uncle. And it's the kingpin. Yeah. it's <laughs> Because in the comics, she is like the adopted niece of the kingpin. Mm -hmm. And then in the comics, actually, it's the kingpin that kills her dad. Yeah. But, you know, you got to change some stuff up. But, uh, yeah, so I she think, is I think still definitely a Kingpin associate. It's no question. It's Vincent D'Onofrio. It's the Kingpin. I think they're still going to do that. You know, they're establishing that other people can wear the the um, the Ronin co uh, outfit. So um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll actually have to see about that, you know, because that was that was a very gnarly scene of all the murder that was happening in there. And it just seems like a very, very calculated hit for it to be Hawkeye, you know? Well, that's what he was doing. I mean, and he knows a lot about it. Oh, he killed, these people were killed by the Ronin because of X, Y, and Z. Like, he he seems to know an awful lot about of why her dad was killed by Ronin. So I, I think he did it. I do think he straight up did it. Well, we'll see. I, I I think he is a calculated assassin. I I think if they're going to be involving Kingpin, they're, they're going to have to have some sort of betrayal, you know. So, ooh, you know what I got? You know what I got? If it's not him, okay. If it's not him, it's boyfriend Jack as the swordsman. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you're thinking it's boyfriend Jack who killed her dad? Either that, or probably freaking her mom. <laughs> no, I don't. Ooh, <laughs> could her mom have been the Ronin at yeah. one point? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I I'll buy that. I'll buy that. She got a bunch of swords in her house too. I'm with it. Yeah, so <laughs> it's gonna be one of them, but it's not gonna be Hawkeye. I mean, there's nowhere to, for mm. the there's nowhere for the story to go, because it's just like, yeah, I killed your father. It's like okay, I guess we're gonna have to have a fight to the death. No, 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 no. No, there is somewhere for it to go. This is a Christmas story. This could be about forgiveness and atonement. Oh hell no! Not with six episodes. No, no, no. You're right. Shit. God damn it! You're right. And 
and and and we haven't even gotten uh, uh, Florence Pugh as uh, Yelena yeah, coming in as the new Black Widow. Like we already have more characters that we know are getting introduced in the next three episodes, yeah. and they oh, got yeah. a lot of ground to cover. You're yeah, probably exactly right. You're probably exactly right. <laughs> because we have Hawkeye dealing with you know understanding and resolving his past and coming to grips with who he was and what he had done. Mm-hmm. And there could be a story in there for atonement and for forgiveness, but we don't, we don't have the time for that kind of nuance. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he says, he says a very interesting thing to the, the tracksuit mafia uh, um, and echo about like Ronan being killed, you know, and, you know, and then, and Natasha did it, you know? So well, it's, it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi answer is what it is. But I'm thinking there's something to that because at some point he lost that uniform. Well, we know when we 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 know when he lost it. He lost it when Thanos bombed Avengers Complex. But it's, it's they stayed so- in the auction, found in the wreckage of the Avengers Complex. So when Thanos comes through time uh, with the tech that he stole from Nebula, the first thing he does is he blows up Avengers complex. You know, that's where you get war machine getting pulled into the wreckage and giant man and all that stuff. That's where he lost it. I think it was with his personal effects and lost in the wreckage. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to have to see how it unfolds. I can no prize that one. I can no prize that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we'll just have to see like where it goes. I, I don't, I don't think the story benefits going anywhere. With her, him actually being the one that, to kill her father. Because there's so many other characters that need to be responsible for something. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We got to give everybody else something to do. Yeah, of course, Haley has to have the, the, the shocking betrayal of her mom. You know, it's not so shocking <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. And that all of this wealth and privilege that I've enjoyed is now dirty. Yeah. And, and now she'll, she'll have something to atone for. She keeps talking all about it. It's like I wasn't born in this, you know, and and you know, and yeah, you, you take it from me, you know, you got to kill people sometimes. <laughs> it's going to have to end up with Kate Bishop and Echo realizing that they are the same. Yeah, that they're yeah. both the same. That they yeah. are the children of mobsters brought up and trained to do the work. And we we end the the third episode with uh, new husband Jack holding the Ronin sword to Mm -hmm. Hawkeye's neck. Although we don't get a moment where they meet eyes, I think we are going to find out at the start of episode four that they fucking know each other. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he in the comics, he's actually the the swordsman. He's a villain. Right, the guy who trained Hawkeye in sword play. Hawkeye Mm -hmm. has various teachers and masters when it comes to the different disciplines that he excels in and Mm -hmm. the swordsman, which is, you know, very much a silver age generic comic book name is the one who trained Hawkeye Clint Barton and how to use the sword. So Mm -hmm. it'll be fun to bring them together. Although that that's one hell of a coincidence that the girl who sees Hawkeye fighting in the battle of New York grows up to become maybe the world's best archer whose stepdad happens to be the guy who trained the guy she idolized that she saw by chance when she was nine. Ooh, that's stretchy. (laughs) (laughs) Damn that. But you know what? It sounds like a comic book to me. That shit sounds like, sounds like any storyline you're going to hear in any damn comic book. It gets way weirder than that. Mm -hmm. All the time, all the time. It's weirder than that. Now people want to get a little bit weird with you, Arthur. And I recommend that they do. (laughs) 
Where are they going to find you? Oh, that's very lurid. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, can... no, I leaned in on the mic and did my sexy voice. Right? I know. Where are you finding Arthur? <laughs> you can find me at my website, ArthurRomeo.live. Um, um, you can please interact with our uh, Instagram page for uh, Tales to Admonish. And also, I have a couple other pages on there. My Draw Really Awesome Wow page, which has, of course, the YouTube counterpart. There's, which I'm updating with um, a bunch of uh, fun things on there. And, uh, yeah, what about you, Tommy? Oh, well, you can find me in the usual places, dark alleys and city bars. But when you're not there, you can find me on Instagram, typically at Thomas.Olton. Or you can find, of course, our Instagram at Tales underscore 2 underscore <laughs> and yeah, so please join us next time on <sighs> I could hear you clipping your mic from here. <laughs> I don't even I don't even have to see what you just did. I know that that is going to blow the freaking range for the whole recording and and you should be ashamed of yourself thanks for coming people jesus <laughs> bye